2: Everybody. Following the Bob Dylan-esque song, uh, The Obvious Truth, by local band Natural Selection, this is Left at the Valley with Kevin and Karen. Hi, Karen.
4: Hello, Kevin. Can you hear me fine? Yes, loud okay. and clear. I
2: just want to make sure my sound is okay, because apparently I have a hard time with this mic. Well, we got a great show for you guys today. Uh, it's a special show. We have one, not one, but two interviews, because uh, Karen and I were actually... Uh, uh,
4: at Imagine a Religion 4, yes. in lovely Kamloops species.
2: Yeah, and uh, we were basically, we were kind of undercover for all this. Would you believe it?
4: No, are you no. kidding? Us? Huh?
2: Well, you know. So anyway, today we're having this interview with Seth Andrew of the American Atheist Podcast. Uh, no,
4: the Thinking Atheist. Uh, sorry, sorry, the Thinking Atheist Podcast. And oh, I, I am... I'm currently drinking from my ba- brand new Thinking Atheist mug that we got at his table at Imagine a Religion 4. Yeah. It was really cool to meet Seth Andrews. He is my favorite podcaster, apart from Kevin, of course. <laughs> and uh, well, it was a real treat to meet him.
2: Lattery, we will get you everything, of course. Uh, we also bumped into... Daryl Ray. And uh, we also get into the issue that, for some reason, Karen got a vibrator. But oh. we'll wonder about that <clears throat> later. <laughs> Can't believe you brought that. <laughs> so we're not going to do our, our usual uh, going into local issues. Uh, most of our uh, our segments we're not going to do, but we are going to keep uh, our, do our want to do our day in history at least to so keep us at least current on some of the events. You okay with that?
4: Oh, current on past events. Yeah, absolutely. Past
3: events.
4: Tell me when. Alrighty, May fifth, eighteen twenty-one. Napoleon dies on the island of Saint Helena. May fifth, uh, nineteen twenty-five. John Scopes is arrested for teaching Darwinism, well, evolution, <laughs> in Tennessee.
2: Yeah, that was the Scopes monkey, monkey trial.
4: Yes, apparently he um, he was just kind of a, you know. He was just someone who was willing to go through the ordeal. Not necessarily really passionate about the issue, but it was very important to have someone who was willing to go through the court case. And important thing about that court case, he lost. They lost. He was no longer allowed to teach evolution in school. Mm-hmm. So it was Sweet. a sad day in American history.
2: Well, John knows we could go into that. Uh, if you did not uh, hear our episode with cheese not, I suggest you go back to it. I believe it was episode 4. Uh, where we actually play the lecture with Eugene Scott. She goes into this into greater detail.
4: Uh, yes, and that's a very interesting lecture to listen to. May 5th, 1961, Alan Shepard is the first American in space.
3: Excellent. Uh, <clears throat> uh, May 6th,
4: 1889, dedication of the Eiffel Tower in Paris at the Universal Expo. And uh, of course, all the Parisians thought it was god awful ugly and they didn't want it around a call in the face of panic. <laughs> May 6, 1937, the, Hin- the Hindenburg airship goes up in flames.
2: Oh, the humanity. <laughs> okay.
4: May 6, 1941, Stalin becomes premier of Russia. May, 17- seven- sorry, May 7, 1824, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony premieres in Vienna. It seems like not that long ago, really. I don't, know.
3: Well, I don't remember. May
2: 7th, 1945
4: Germany surrenders to the Allies <clears throat> May 8th, 1794 Antoine Laurent Lavoisier a father of modern chemistry is guillotined during the reign of terror in the French Revolution Wow Mm-hmm May 9th, 1914, Mother's Day is officially a public holiday in the United States. It was, uh, it, well, there were other reasons, but a woman did it, because to honor her mother who had died, and she, then she got very upset about how commercialized it became, so she was really torn about it becoming official. Uh, May 9th, 1962, the Beatles signed their first recording contract. Cool. May 10th, 1924, J. Edgar Hoover becomes director of the FBI. And a much more positive thing happened on May 10, 1994. Nelson Mandela is sworn in as South Africa's first black president. May 11, 1981, Bob Marley dies at the age of 36 of cancer there we go. in yes, Miami. No. Oh, that very sad. <laughs> May 12, 1870, Manitoba becomes a province. And May 12, 1937, King George VI was crowned at Westminster Abbey because, of course, his brother abdicated. And May 13, 1940, Winston Churchill gave his first speech as Prime Minister. I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. Wow. He's a great orator, if nothing
2: else. Yeah. And a great connoisseur of cigars.
4: <laughs> May 14th, 1796, the first smallpox vaccine is given to eight-year-old James Phipps. Wow, that's cool. Yes, please. <throat> uh, May... Oh no! Seventeen seventy. Marie Antoinette marries Louis the oh. Let him eat
2: cake. It. <laughs> it was her wedding cake, and that got like horribly mistranslated somehow. <laughs> well, that was I've Sixteenth, nineteen
4: twenty-one. The first Academy Awards are given, but the first Oscar statue itself wasn't given until nineteen thirty-one. Um. May 17, 17, 1792, the New York Stock Exchange is established when two, oh, sorry, 24 brokers and merchants meet by a tree on what is now Wall Street. Really? 1792? Oh, it. Wow. Uh, 1954, the Supreme Court rules against segregation in schools. That's a step forward. And May 2004, same-sex couples are allowed to marry for the first time in the U.S. in Massachusetts. Yeah. Awesome. May eighteenth, sixteen forty-two. Montreal is founded.
2: Yes, it was called Mont Royal at first, and it was the island of Hochelaga in uh, the ancient Iroquois. Hmm, cool. Hey, I do know some things, you know?
4: Uh, I, I know. I know. I know. I never said you do. <laughs> well, Apparently,
2: I'm not very good with jokes. <laughs> and, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Oh, night comes early here in the valley. <laughs> uh, May 18th, 1980, Mount St. Helens erupted after being dormant for 123 years. I remember that very well.
2: Yeah, uh, of course I was back east when that happened. So that was it for our day. In that, that's
4: it for our day this day in history.
2: Okay, we'll be back in a sec.
4: Did you ever wonder if there is more to life than what is in the holy books? Do you think you can be good without God? Would you rather think skeptically than rely on blind faith? You are not alone.
1: You are not alone.
4: You
3: are not alone.
1: Dude, you're not alone.
3: You're not alone. You are not alone.
1: You are not alone. alone. Join us at the Fraser Valley Atheists, Skeptics and Humanists. Be amongst
2: friends.
4: Find us at fvash.com I'm friends with the Mm.
0: Can I stop again? All right.
2: Now, uh, as we promised, we tell you about what
4: INR4 was. So for those of you who don't know, INR4 stands for Imagine No Religion 4. It's the fourth one that has been put on in Kamloops by uh, the host is Bill Legertwood and his wife, Kathy Cruikshank. And um, they... Yeah, they they just decided that hey, this is a cool thing to do, and they just did it, and it's been going strong ever since. It's quite, quite small of a conference for the the big names that they bring. So there's about 200 people there, and uh, really friendly, awesome people. It was a great experience.
2: Yeah, uh, apparently, Bill started with uh, going just calling up somebody and doing a lecture. scene. it's pretty much like uh, the group B Ash uh, Ash is doing in in Abbotsford, and uh, he thought it was so easy that he decided to go much bigger, and uh, now he's on his fourth year of conference, and he's got some great names. Where's the list of names? There's the list. Do you want to read off the names of uh, the people they have there?
4: Okay. Well, speakers included, bon, 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 Annie Laurie Gaylor, who is the co-founder and co-president of Freedom Religion Foundation. Carolyn Porco, who is the leader of the imaging science team on the Cassini mission that is in orbit around Saturn. She works for NASA, and that woman is brilliant and amazing.
2: Yeah, they basically had to fly her brain into a different flight because she's so brilliant. Uh, When they do post this, uh, because they videotaped the entire conference, when they do post it, I strongly, strongly encourage you to look it up. It was awe-inspiring. You have no idea what this woman is doing, and the science behind it, it was just fabulous.
4: It was mind-blowing. She a she, oh, she was amazing. Uh, Christine Shelska, who it, did a, a lecture on rhetoric. And Christopher DiCarlo. Uh,
2: Christopher DiCarlo.
4: What does he do? Let's yeah, see.
2: He, he raised that book, oh. that would be a good painting.
4: He yes, he's a philosopher of science and ethics. And he was very interesting. in Out of Toronto. To.
2: Yes. He tells me this wonderful joke where he says, you know how the, uh, a person from Toronto screws in the light bulb? I said, well, I don't know. He he just holds it there, and the universe revolves around him.
4: So just <laughs> it revolves automatically. Uh, that's good. Um, Dan Barker, who was a teenage evangelist, and um, he preached for 19 years and then realized he no longer believed, and, and he talked about how he came out of religion. And he's also a member of the Freedom From Religion Foundation.
2: Great piano, a piano player, too.
4: Yeah, he was. played lots of music festivals. Uh, Daryl Ray, who is the founder of Recovering from Religion Foundation, a very good organization that helps people with counseling and and just dealing with the sometimes very scary and dangerous logistics of of leaving a religious community. Uh, He was also hilariously funny, and he talked about sex and secularism, and he gave me a vibrator. It was pretty awesome. That's (laughs) a story.
2: We'll have to get into more details about that later. Neryl Ray is one of the persons that we have an interview. We have two 20-minute interviews that we'll just play sort of back-to-back, back so you guys can enjoy what these uh, people had to say.
4: Yeah. Uh, Eugenie Scott was the keynote, keynote speaker.
2: Like I said, Eugenie Scott we did on Episode 4, I believe, uh, when she came to Abbotsford. Uh, brilliant as usual.
4: This is a scientist and former executive director of the National Center for Science Education. And we also had Hermant Meta. I'm probably just doing an awful job on his name. But he, was, he, was, he was a wonderful speaker, talked about how it is really important for everyone to be skeptical and to, to check their facts before you rebroadcast them, uh, but especially for atheists and skeptics because that is how we define ourselves, right? That's part of our, our definition is being skeptical of religion. So we need to apply that skepticism to everything that we see in here, not just to religion. So he was very, very interesting. Uh, Jerry Coyne um, was uh, he's a professor at the Department of Ecology and Evolution in the University of Chicago.
2: Brilliant man, brilliant man. Uh, he's got this really deep voice. You always think he's like some very white, but he's actually uh, uh, wonderful, brilliant. You listen to him and you just gain IQ points just by listening to him.
4: He's the one who talked about
2: evolution. Ev- he talked about evolution.
4: Yeah, I'm thinking of the fairness one on him. No,
2: no, that, that'd be Christopher DiCarlo. Yeah,
4: that's Christopher DiCarlo. Uh, Jerry DeWitt was also there. He is another a former pastor from Louisiana.
2: Oh, he's got he, that southern accent, that man.
4: He was such a nice guy, and uh, he also left the faith and, and lost everything <laughs> in, his, in his life in the process and rebuilt his life as an atheist. She was very interesting to listen to. Oh, he's
2: got that pastor swagger going there. Uh,
4: Margaret Downey, she's a freethinker. Um, She's founder and president of the Free Thought Society. She talked about how important it is for atheists to give their sort of personal stories. Seth Andrews from The Thinking Atheist.
2: Which, um, is be your, which is the reason we went there to begin with, right? It's the whole reason we went there. We were, we've been in contact with Seth and Seth, said, of course, come on in. I'll grant you guys an interview. And he was kind enough to do so.
4: And um, he also was, was a former broadcaster and Christian. Um, believer and and talks about how he changed his life when he became an atheist. And then last but not least was Wanda Morris from Dying with Dignity. Um, She talked about how important it is for us to at least be aware of uh, alternatives around um, doctor-assisted dying um, and and just to have a Know what you want. Express your wishes. Yeah. Talk to your doctor. And 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 she's really trying hard to make it legal in Canada to have assisted death. It's this is medically assisted. It's not like you're gonna. Someone can. Your doctor's just gonna give you pills without you knowing. It's very very well regulated. It's a very interesting topic, and um, one that everyone is going to have to face sooner or later. So I encourage you to get informed on yeah, that. It's, DyingWithDignity.ca is her website.
2: I've written on my will that uh, if if I'm on a machine, uh, I basically want them to unplug me. And then plug me back in, and see if it works like my computer.
4: <laughs>
2: oh, I'm just shooting by now. It's Not working at all. I'm not doing well at all.
4: Should we listen to an interview? <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: well, let's do that. But first, I wanted to, um, I wanted to. Well, let's. We're going to listen to Seth Andrews here, obviously, in a sec. Um, what was your impression of Seth?
4: Seth is a very professional broadcaster. He's got a he's got that perfect broadcaster's voice, and it's uh, he, just
2: he as professional <laughs> I mean, uh, please finish. Uh, I interrupted you. I'm so sorry. Don't well, put that vibrator in.
4: <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this he... this show uh, is just on X-ray. <laughs> he um was. So there's a, there's like the VIP dinner and then there's the the plebeian dinner, the dinner for everyone else who's not a speaker or didn't pay extra tons of money and and so you know all the speakers are being ushered into this private room for their private dinner and he's like no I'm not gonna do that that feels really weird and he just stayed out and ate with everyone else and chatted with everyone. He's a really regular nice guy. Yeah, and
2: uh, he he was uh, he he was pretty humble and uh, at the first day we got there he just got off a flight and he. He looked a bit tired. And, uh, he's a huge amateur of coffee. So, um,
4: Sorry, amateur of coffee? I mean,
2: <laughs> amateur. Connoisseur,
4: I think, is the word you were looking for. Okay, sorry. Connoisseur, <laughs>
2: amateur. Well, you know, I, I'm really the amateur of coffee. I don't drink <laughs> <way>. <laughs> um, connoisseur of coffee, and um, he really, really likes his Java. So we brought him. Uh, from the left of the valley, we brought him some uh, coffee from the local uh, guy in Mission called Grab a uh, Plug uh, in for Dave here.
4: Dave-, Dave imports the coffee himself. He makes sure it's fairly traded. He talks to the farmers. He supports women's cooperative farms for coffee growers. So it's yeah, he can't get more ethical than Grab coffee. It,
2: yeah, it's essentially the best coffee in town. Um, and uh, so Seth was very happy with that. And we also brought him a bowl of uh, from the uh, Fraser Valley Atheist, Skeptics, and Humanists, we brought him a bottle of uh, Crown Royal Maple, Maple flavor. I have no idea how this thing tastes like, but what could be more Canadian than that? So he was very ecstatic about that, and uh, he probably put some of it in his coffee, <laughs> I would think. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, the second day, I mean, uh, he he was like a like a Karen said, he was uh, kind of staying with the crowd. Um, he was. Um, I got the impression that um, I I, wa- I was hoping to see a bit of Seth. That uh, I wanted to see him with his hair down a bit, you know. So hey, Seth, you know, you in Canada, you know. But the guy oozes professionalism. I don't know if he's always like that, um, but he was professional the whole time. He's shaking your hand, you know. Thank you for supporting the book. Thank you for supporting imaginary religion, you know. He's he's a perfect gentleman, and um, so. It was it was very interesting. I still don't know if he's always like that, or he's just naturally just always professional, or he's just a big guarded. But I, I, I certainly thanked him. Uh, and he's uh, quick and witty. I mean, I remember the first time uh, he, uh, next morning I came by, and uh, he was walking down and said, hey, Seth, how you doing? And uh, he just gave me something charming and witty, like, uh, oh, Captain, my Captain. Mm-hmm. And I responded to, to something stupid, like, uh,
4: well, don't
2: call me captain. I'm more like a lieutenant, you know. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I know, I was not a very good ambassador, I, I swear. Um, He probably can't get out of this again. I can't wait to get out, get away from uh, from these crazy Canucks. Right? But uh, hopefully I'll try to make it up to him at some point. Maybe he'll forget by drinking the Crown Royal. <laughs> so shall we play the, uh, the uh, Seth Andrew interview? Yes, let's Enough of me and more, Seth right, we're here with Seth Andrews of the Thinking Atheist program The maestro of the podcast, virtuoso of the airwaves Hi Seth
1: Good morning, thanks for having (laughs) me, great to be here, man
2: Thank you for coming here in Kamloops Um, You know, uh, most of our listeners probably do know you But a few of them might not So, like you would say Can you give us the reader's digest version (laughs) of who Seth Andrews is?
1: Well, uh, I'm, a, I'm from Oklahoma. Um, I was born to theologian parents. My mother and father are, to this day, absolute devout true blue believers. Um, I was raised with prayer before mealtime, prayer before bedtime, Bible stories, private Christian school. I was a Youth, a youth for Christ spokesperson before I could even drive a car, I was already on stage um, and I started as a Christian broadcaster in 1990, and I spent about 12 years in Christian radio, a true believer, you know, in Jesus and God and the authenticity of Scripture and heaven and hell and all those things. And um, slowly but surely, I started to gain the courage to challenge some of the assumptions, the inherited beliefs, the stuff I'd been indoctrinated with, and, and, you know, it took me a while, but when I was approaching the age of 40 I finally came to a point of critical mass and I started to examine all the stuff I'd assumed was true when you start with an answer it robs you of any real drive to ask any further questions and I I just, curiosity had been snuffed out in me, right? and it was after a debate online by Christopher Hitchens, I saw him challenging these sacred cows and he actually kind of gave me courage to do the same, and you know what happens when you Uh, start asking those types of questions well that's when the dominoes fall and by the time I uh, was late 2008 uh, I finally said the word atheist out loud and in 2009 I started a website called The Thinking Atheist, TheThinkingAtheist.com which just encourages people to reject faith as a mechanism for determining what is true and to think, use your brain, engage, ask questions you know, don't be afraid to challenge and that website and the radio podcast and the videos that have been produced for that channel have taken off. And, and now I'm given the chance to go out and sort of defend rationalism around the country. That's mm-hmm. what I do.
2: Excellent. Now, of course, <coughs> Canada and the States, you uh, mirror each other pretty closely. Um, usually in Canada, we're, we're taught often that um, you know when the U- U.S. gets a... When the U.S. will sneeze, Canada gets a cold. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're kind of raised with that. So what is the state of the fight of, uh, against uh, the forces of Christianity, if you wish. Yeah. <laughs> In the state.
1: Well, I mean, uh, you know, the nutshell version for me is that, you know, the Internet is spelling the doom for those who have previously held hostage information. You know, it used to be a pastor came forward and tried to talk about evolution, what it is, what it's not, evolution, that kind of thing. You know, the congregation was kind of locked into, well, we got better take his word for it. He's got a Ph.D., right? And unless you went to the library and did some digging and, and jumped through some hoops, you know, it was a lot harder to come by any other information. Well, then the Internet comes along. So now if somebody comes along and they say, you know, people used to live to be 969 years old back in the day, well, you can pretty easily find someone who is a legitimate scientist who has who has done the homework, who can examine and potentially refute that claim. And uh, so what's happening is now the rise of reason. It's happening slowly in the States, but you're seeing the nuns, the non-religious, that demographic is building. You know, this generation of young people, they don't care about all the crap that our parents cared about, right? Trying to take away the rights of gay people. Young people today, they're like, my friends are gay, and I, you know, let them be who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, let a woman decide what happens with her body, you know. Uh, marriage, eh, may maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but my relationship will still be valid, even if, if kids today who are growing up aren't flipped out by all the craziness that our parents were. And you can see the panic mode setting in. Now I don't know what you guys have in Canada, but you know, in the States, the less and less religion is controlling the conversation, the more weird and wacky and wild and freaky they've been getting, reactionary bizarre stuff coming out of the pat robertson is a gift
3: <laughs> yeah. right the
1: evangelist every t- i keep saying just let him talk because every time he opens his mouth we win right every time kent hovind or eric hovind or william lane craig or ken ham opens her mouth we win because it's just so ludicrous and uh you know, David Silverman of the American Atheist, I heard him once say that in 20 years he expects the battle largely to be won. You'll never get rid of religion, but we'll become a lot more European where it's marginalized mm-hmm. and sort of ineffective. I don't know. Uh, but I don't. But I do think the next 10 years we'll see sort of a dramatic temperature change. A tipping point. So that we don't see the sort of disproportional level of power wielded by the well-funded religious machine. Will they go quietly into that good night? Absolutely not, and that 's why we have to stay vigilant and remain in the fight and not give up and say, "Well, the tide's turned our way. Hey, congratulations to us, and then check out yeah that's when bad things happen. We need to stay focused and stay in the game,
2: so you would agree that religion right now is a bit like a wounded animal,
1: yeah, more dangerous
2: now than it ever was before,
1: you know and, and they 're going to play the victim card oh i'm so 'm so persecuted. I had an email from somebody in uh Oklahoma. I have no idea what kind of our time limit is here. I'm just babbling, but I'll just tell you the stories as they come to me, okay? Yeah, go for it. And she's a friend, a true believer. Now, she didn't have the first clue what's in her Bible, right? For her, it's a feeler experience. It's an emotional experience. Her mother and father are believers. Her husband's a believer. Her Mm -hmm. children are now believers. It's everybody in their circle is a believer. I was the only atheist in her circle. And I came to her, and first of all, I'm... I'm, uh, Talking to her about you know the Bible um, and how can you as a female support a book that strips away your voice that tells you that you're worth half as much as a man? Even female slaves in the Old Testament have half the value of the male women, right? This is where Carol's going to chime in because she's a big feminist. Go home and tell your husband and let him represent because you are not qualified. Let a woman be silent in the church. How does a woman back this book? And she came back with you know I just feel attacked I feel like you're attacking me and <laughs> I you know I just want you to know it hurts and I stopped her right and I said hang on just a second right I'm in Tulsa Oklahoma this is Jesus Town oh yeah in my book I call it Jesus Town we have Oral Roberts University Rama Bible Training Center hundreds of churches a Bible in every hotel room crosses on the road I mean it's crazy so I said hang on just a second all right if you check into a hotel room there'll be a Bible they pray before government, many government meetings, as I understand it. They, uh, You've got two major universities. You've got a church on every block. Everybody you know is Christian. And even the president celebrates the National Day of Prayer and has a, a monthly prayer breakfast with government staffers. Uh, you've got God on the money. You've got God in the pledge. <laughs> you've got God, God, God. How in the world are you possibly persecuted? And there was a <laughs> long pause. And like two days later, I got a response that said, Point taken. Can we talk about something else? <laughs> and so, wow. she she was just done. And and uh, that's a challenge, you know, when you're when you're trying to to counter an emotional acceptance of superstition with a rationality, uh, you know, that's going to be a little bit tough out there. But. Maybe
2: maybe uh, I'm just going to venture something here, but uh, maybe your friend, a lot of women are, feel like they're the guardian of culture, they're the guardian of the family, and maybe that is why they can still support a book because it's tradition. that they're still the guardian of the traditional.
1: Well, I I think there there may be some of that. My theory is is that they cherry-pick the happy, clappy verses. You know, husbands love your wives Mm -hmm. as Christ loved the church, placed the woman on the pedestal. There are some verses that are pro-woman. The problem is is if you take the Scriptures as a a whole, the totality of Scriptures is contradictory and actually demeaning and misogynistic to women. And they ignore those. It's the cafeteria plan, right? We ignore the ugly stuff and we grab all the happy, clappy stuff. The second thing is, is honestly, I think she's been conditioned that the husband is the head of the house. She actually admitted to me, you know, I don't want to make the big decisions around here. I I leave that to him. I I trust him as the steward of our home to be able to receive God's instructions and make those decisions. And I want to be the nurturer. I'll take care of the children. I'll be this sort of... um, helpmate is what they Mm -hmm. call it in the church and she just essentially opted out of a partnership and allowed him to take the lead and that's common in christian cultures and christian circles and many women accept that role with pride boggles my mind Mm -hmm. but it, it you know it happens quite often now, uh, you you
2: mentioned Oral Roberts University, um, and you, you said your parents were from uh, graduated from there, right? Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, they met there. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we we have something similar happening here called the Trinity Western University. Um, would you think that Oral Roberts was maybe uh, not a good move? it? crooked, huh?
1: I'm sorry, go ahead, finish your <laughs> question. It's a knee-jerk reflex for me when I when I see, uh, when I hear Oral Roberts' name, I, my left eye starts to twitch.
2: Yeah, because uh, uh, they basically uh, decided to accredit this this university with law, uh, so they will be able to graduate law students, and like I said, you know, in Canada, uh, we see after so we what happens in the States, right? We, yes. we, we kind of follow behind, so now we know from your experience at Oral Roberts that maybe this is not a good move after all.
1: Oh, yeah, I was talking to... Uh, Daryl Ray, Dr. Daryl Ray, the author of uh, Sex and God and the God Virus. Fantastic guy, Amazing fellow, just amazing, and, and uh, he was telling me, and he would speak to the statistic better than me, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but organizations like Liberty University, you know, which was started by Jerry Falwell, are graduating therapists, professional therapy, uh, uh, men and women, at a higher rate than the secular community is. And what's happening then is you've got people who believe in talking animals, right, and people who believe in, in magic and curses and spells who are going to be a major force in the, the mental health care sort of culture. And, and you, it's just it's terrifying. It's obviously a tactic by the religious to try to, uh, to stay relevant out there. It's like when you go to... Uh, Answers in Genesis and Discovery Institute and these creationist websites. Aaron Raw did a speech with us on the unholy trinity tour that we're doing around the country and he brought to light that on those organizations they're looking for PhDs to come and be scientists to represent and defend the Bible, right? But in their statement it says in order to be considered you must be recommended by a, at least one pastor and you must make a declaration that nothing you say can ever contradict or counter what is in the Bible, which is not science. That's terrifying. And uh, so, you know, these people are essentially saying, no matter what happens, no matter what I see, no matter what the evidence is, I, as a representative of this organization, will never, ever, ever say anything contrary to what's in, you know, Genesis 1 and the the last verse of Revelation and everything in between. That's the end all fact all. And this is their way, I think, of trying to stay relevant. Will it work? Uh, in the long run, I don't think so, but they're they're pretty insidious and they're very devious. They're sliding under the radar, changing language. Do you guys have the problem here with people introducing some sort of religious bill but they use nebulous language that doesn't look religious?
2: No yet, but it's starting to happen. I mean even now the head of the federal government is pretty religious, and even the uh, science minister doesn't even want to pronounce himself on evolution at this point. So it's starting to happen.
1: We've got some of that in, it, it's in Oklahoma we've got a guy um, who keeps introducing this creationist legislation and they'll knock it down. Even in Oklahoma, they knock it down. So he goes back and he rewrites it and he massages the language <laughs> so that it's more about fairness and all theories should be taught. And uh, it's more about helping the children to not, don't remove information from them and they'll introduce that. It gets knocked down. He goes back and he rewrites it again, and it's introduced. And it's just one after the other. And you read the language of the Bills, and they're lying. They're liars. Mm. Lying. Because each one of them are evangelical Christians. Don't tell me they're interested in positing as fact all the other theories, right? The, th- the theory of Xenu, the intergalactic o- overlord, chasing all the Satan, um, you know, Energy bodies to this planet—that's not on his radar. He doesn't what? want to. What? That's not people. true. No. I, oh, jeez. Uh, so disillusioned. Now. He wants to go out and pitch Jesus, and he wants an excuse to do it, and he does it under the blanket of fairness, and it's just disgusting to see him do it. Yeah. So, so Seth, you, you guys—I'm sure,
2: God knows—you got probably lots of followers here in Canada. But um, the problem I have with a lot of Canadians is apathy, and I'm starting to see creationism go across the border start a happy habits for sure. and all that what would you tell listeners about these especially atheists that say yeah you know I'm an atheist but I don't I don't want to get involved I don't want to participate I don't want to
3: yeah people. exactly yeah, you know,
2: what, would you what would you recommend to these
1: people? I think about this whenever I see the bumper stickers with the symbols on it and it says coexist
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: and I think it's a beautiful sentiment if you lived in Xanadu, right? If you lived on a a perfect (laughs) utopian planet. But religion by design doesn't coexist. Most of the major religions if not all the major religions are designed with some sort of great commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The world is a mission field. Islam, desperate to uh, make everyone and adhere it to Islam and to punish and remove and destroy the infidel. So this idea that you and I can be the ones who play nice while everybody else is infecting the world like a virus, and that's what Dr. Peter Boghossian talks about, the faith virus. We need to be out there delivering inoculations, man. And uh, passivity has is, is never turned out well for the, for the person being passive. It has always allowed rights to be taken away. It's allowed those with money and power to steamroll over everybody else. And uh, you know, not everybody's going to have an activist nature. Not everybody's going to be on the front lines like we are. Right? I'm guessing you guys are like me. You've got a fire in your belly. It feeds it you to be able to go out and do battle uh, to encourage others. This is part of my sort of personality makeup. But not everyone's going to be like that. What I don't want is for people to even behind the scenes, check out of the conversation because, well, I don't want to hurt feelings or it is what it is or it gives some people joy. Ultimately, we have to ask ourselves one major question. Is it true? And if it's not true, then it's a falsehood. And if it's being taught to children, if it's being used to prey on the weak and the vulnerable, if it's being used to change legislation, if it's being used to get rich... If all these falsehoods are being used to damage the world around us, if we really care, if we genuinely care, we must act. You know, any moral creature must get into the game. Behind the scenes, on the front lines, wherever your gifts take you, we all have to do what we can and, and, and do what we can to try to, to uh, celebrate and promote the truth in all aspects and regards. Fantastic, Sam.
2: Thank you so Thank much. You. My Here's pleasure. your chance. Plug your plug your
1: book away. Plug your <laughs> send your check to save the Andrews family. <laughs> and, uh, no, no, no. I, I'm 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 honestly, if, if someone's not aware of the uh, the side of the shows, the podcast is a um, it's a conversational. I mean, I cheat. I was a radio guy for a lot of years, and so I'm able to bring some of those uh, abilities to the conversation on the, the radio show, and we've had tremendous success. I mean, I think we're we're up to about a million and a half downloads a month.
2: Your show was number one on Blog
1: Talk. Uh, yeah, there's 15,000 active shows on Blog Talk Radio, and an atheist podcast is number one. That's is amazing. that crazy? Yeah,
2: that's <laughs> amazing. And
1: I ain't complaining. Now, I know what goes up must go down. I mean, I, I'm holding on for, for the you know the time that we actually dip out of the top five. I mean, this, this stuff is cyclical. But um, I, I'm excited to see so many people part of the conversation. And if you want to find out more, we, we cover everything from what different religions are, what they do. You know, we talk to ex-Jehovah's Witnesses and ex-Muslims, and we talk about Scientology and the Mormon Church. We talk about the indoctrination of children. I have the high priest of the Church of Satan on around Halloween to talk about Levian and Satanists and what that's all about. We just did a show on the Satanic Panic. Jerry Coyne joined me to talk about why evolution is true. It's one of the best shows we ever did. And so there's a wide variety. It's very entertaining, and I think it'll encourage a lot of people. You can find all of that online at thethinkingatheist.com.
2: All right. Well, thank you, Seth. Thank, thank you both so,
1: so much. I appreciate your work.
2: We appreciate you giving us your time.
1: Take care. <laughs> Take
3: care.
2: <laughs> he
4: certainly does.
2: He was uh, nice enough to give us that interview uh, despite our total lack of professionalism compared <laughs> to him. And uh, I'm probably going to send him a link to this. And when he listens to this, he's probably going to facepalm palm He'll push it and say, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that.
4: <laughs> I loved his answer to your question. You know, we all... We my question. All, what question you, it's a, at the end? Ah. His, his last? Well,
2: um, what an incredibly stupid question. <laughs>
4: When you asked him, you know, what people should do, um, what you say to atheists who just don't want to do anything and he said, we all have to do what we can because there's a lot at stake and if you're not an activist, don't be an activist but just continue the conversation.
2: Yes, I would agree. Uh, There's a lot, there's a segment of the population of of atheists that uh, it's fine if you don't want to get active. It's fine if you don't want to get into uh, doing things to help promote the cause but I really have a problem with you when you're putting a stick on somebody else's wheels, in other words. So no, you can tell I'm French. But this, this is not in English. You can't translate that English. But, you know, when you're repeating somebody else from doing some good work, as an atheist, uh, I have a problem with that one. So, um, let's see. Okay, uh, let's talk about well, uh, Daryl Ray.
4: Well, Daryl Ray, is just... <laughs> He was just such an energetic, fun guy. He was really, really nice. a ball nice. of energy. Just immediately warm and friendly with everyone. And I, although I didn't remember his name, I have looked at his Recovering from Religion uh, organization online, which is really great. They do valuable work. They also – in this is one of the things where you really see the difference between Canadians and Americans that he said most therapists in the United States – are actually religiously affiliated. So if you are trying to leave religion and you need a therapist, then they, they really—it's really hard to find one that isn't just going to tell you to go back to church. So they've actually started a, a, a network of that so secular therapists and counselors so that you can actually get the help you need if you need it, and uh, just really down-to-earth day-to-day help for people who who need it if they are having a hard time leaving a religious organization. A there, there,
2: also there was. The- was a problem.
1: say again, uh, please. Houston, we have a problem.
2: And that's right, and uh, he decided to do something about it and he did. Um, the man was a ball of energy he was there promoting his book his latest book, uh, Sex and God uh, and he did a fabulous presentation that we also recorded and we'll play on another podcast, yes for you guys. Uh, but we did have an interview one-on-one with him um, and this is where he gave you a sign, vibrate. <laughs>
4: yes he did he was uh he was... Well, here. <laughs>
2: okay, well,
4: it was uh he buyed both his books and gets the vibrator for free but he was kind enough to sign the packaging for me so i have he said one of ten autographed copies of the vibrator in the whole world so hey that's pretty exclusive <laughs> yeah
2: we have to get, get into that too um, like I said, the, the he was a gentleman. He was a ball of energy. He was inspiring, and uh, I might as well go right ahead into it and play the interview. So for your uh, for the listening audience, for your pleasure, Daryl Ray. Yeah, really? So we're here at Imaginal Religion Four with Daryl Ray. Daryl, thank you for so much for coming it's and fine, uh, giving us this interview. And uh, you've got two books out here. You've got uh, one, the Sex and God, and uh, the God Virus. Now, can you give us a quick, in a nutshell, what these books are about?
0: Well, the God virus is really uh, about how religion transfers from one brain to the next brain. Um, The best predictor, of course, of religiosity is what your parents belong uh, belong to. And why do people absorb that and why does it perpetuate? So I I really go into a lot of, there's a lot of sociology, a lot of anthropology, a lot of psychology Mm -hmm. in the God virus. Um, I also deal with issues around guilt and shame. Why those are so important to uh, religious propagation? Without religion, without guilt and shame, most religions would die. And sex and God, I, t- I take uh, a whole different angle. I am a psychologist, as you know, all psychologists are sex fiends.
3: <laughs> so uh,
0: so uh, I was always interested in why is why is religion so interested in what I'm doing in my bedroom uh, with or without anybody else in the bedroom? <laughs> and uh, so I started researching this and found that no one had ever written a book like this before. Of course, Christians are always writing about sex and God, but nobody's ever looked at sex and religion and how the two interact, and why is religion so interested in our sex lives? Whether it's Hinduism, Islam, Buddhism, Christianity, Mormonism, it doesn't matter. Every major religion
2: is interested in
0: your sex lives. Why
2: Hmm. Well, I, I thought it was very interesting to get both books and you get a free vibrator with it. That's a great sales <laughs> pitch. <page. laughs> and uh, But I'm concerned about... I'm concerned. You're concerned I'm about the vibrator? No, uh, no, no. no. <laughs> was it wasn't for
0: you. <laughs> I did not... <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel left out. <laughs> it's, it's mainly for Karen. Now, you, you're free to try to use it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> no, but I was wondering... trip my
2: trigger, though. <laughs> did, did you get a lot of... Um, Blowback, I guess, from the title. Blowback, right? <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. From the vibrator, no, but no. I did for the book.
0: Did I get blowback from the book?
2: Well, I mean, the titles are it can be yeah. provocative for some yeah, people, probably, right? Especially the, the the gods virus. Did you get a lot of people? You know. Well,
0: what if I wrote a book? What if instead of on the front of that I said uh, the uh, history and psychology of religions interaction with with uh, families yeah. and. You're
4: not going to sell too many books. Yeah, right. Ain't
0: oh, gonna happen. Go, so. So I decided to call it God Virus because actually it's it's based upon Richard Dawkins' uh, original idea around memes and memetics. Mm-hmm. I actually only mentioned memes once in the whole book, but but it's really about memes and memetics. I didn't want to. I didn't. I'm writing the book for the layperson. I'm not yeah. writing it for the academic, and so I didn't want to get into academic arguments about memes, memetics, and how that works and all.
2: Well, I haven't read it yet. And I can't wait to get into it because it looks fabulously interesting to me. And you too, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm.
4: Absolutely. Okay, excellent. Sex and but... and you. <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what people well, if you in the get better God way. out of the sex is yeah. even more often. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not into
0: threesome. well, you know, I I, I I tend to say it that if you're if you're a
2: Christian married couple, you're having a threesome with Jesus.
0: Yeah. yeah that's very kinky. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I I always thought
2: you know to do a bit of blasphemy here, but I thought it was always harsh for poor Joseph to follow up after God, you know, with Mary and all that.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a hard <laughs> act to follow, she you know. Was, man, right. <laughs> poor
2: guy, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Mary, actually what Mary was, she was a sexually active adolescent who got away with a good story. But
2: that's, that's my story.
0: She sold the
4: Whopper and she got away with it. Yep. That's good. Right yeah. good for her. <laughs> Indeed.
2: Uh, do you go into any length into your book uh, about the, uh, in Christianity, how the, the translation from uh, Virgin from Greek, uh, from Hebrew to Greek, one from uh,
0: yeah. No, I, I don't actually get into the linguistic stuff because it's really not important to what I'm trying to talk about. Yeah. There. What I am trying to talk in section God, I'm trying to talk about how uh, religion and sex got intertwined. Because if you really go back far enough in in cultural anthropology and in history, there's a lot of very sex positive cultures.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Why? Why when? Uh, Western religions, and including in, not just Western, but also Hinduism and others like that, why suddenly do we get this sex-negative uh, uh, attitude towards um, comes into those cultures? And I, I trace that back to um, patriarchy, the patriarchy, but even farther back to the ownership of property. And with agriculture comes the ownership of property. With herding comes the ownership of property. Hunter-gatherers don't have this concept of owning property. And you can see that in, uh, in the you North American that. cultures, nomadic, really, tribe in nomadic culture. tribes they have no concept, you know, you, what you can carry on your horse or on your back. Yeah. Mainly on your back because they didn't have horses in North America, of course. So we've got this this um, sharing of all things, sharing of meat. I mean, if you get if you if you kill, uh, you know, buffalo, I'm so before before there are horses. Mm. It's an ordeal. You got to get out there and take some risks and kill the buffalo, and the whole tribe shares in the consumption of the buffalo because you can't put it in the refrigerator tonight. you got to get it all eaten and uh, there's no waste, you know, all that sort of stuff. But that's the hunter-gatherer mentality around material things. The minute you shift that into herding those buffalo, now I own those buffalo, I don't want you getting them. And I don't want you sneaking in having sex with my wife or my daughter because the children, of you, your children would then get those buffalo mm. or, those, or those fields where the wheat's been planted. So with patriarchy comes ownership. But ownership of several things, not just of the land, but ownership of children and ownership of spouses. Women then become property. And that's what you see is property. Um, women become property of, of the patriarch. And it could be the patriarch of the chief, or it could just be the patriarch of the local family. But still, women are basically slaves in those cultures. And you can see it in the Bible. You can see it in the Quran, You can see it in the Hindu uh, scriptures. Anytime you get property, you get ownership of women, and women get subject to kids. Before that time, in hunter-gatherer societies, women supplied 60 to 70% of all the calories to the family. Well, if the woman's supplying 60 to 70% of calories, it's a pretty big chunk. Mm-hmm. And the guys out here hunting with the other guys, well, if one of the other guys happens to stay behind and have a little fun with you while he's out there, no big deal. Nobody really cared who the father was in lots of hunter-gatherer societies. There's some some tribes like in the Na culture in China. There's they don't even have a word for husband. They don't have a word for wife. They don't have a word for a father because there's no marriage. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Uh, I'm not going to. I go into some detail in that. Or other cultures in in um, the Amazon. There's there's 40 some cultures in the Amazon that believe in something called partible paternity. And nobody owns property there. It's, it's a hunter gatherer tribe. But they believe in part of paternity They believe that it takes multiple men to make one healthy baby. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very different system. Once mm-hmm. you once the woman's had sex with two or three or four men and she has a baby, all all of those men now are responsible for that baby. You have now four or five fathers. Because they don't have a concept of sperm and egg. Yes. But in a primitive society, if you think about primitive science, if you're a primitive scientist, you look at a dog, a bitch dog, and she has sex with two or three other male dogs. Or if you look at a tapiary tapir- um, pig, kind of an animal in the mm-hmm. Amazon, yep. and the female mates with multiple males, you might think, well, it must take several males to make one healthy baby. And that's primitive science. And you've got 40-some cultures that believe that. There's a lot of evidence that many other cultures had these kinds of beliefs.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. So it it just kind of blows out of the water this idea that Christianity and Islam and other cultures, that there there needs to be a marriage between one man and one woman, or one man and many women. It doesn't matter. Because we're producing healthy children Mm -hmm. in the Amazon, and we've got four dads now. And in the
4: Amazon, what is their perception of sexuality? Is it repressed like it is here in... in
0: or is it more it, natural? Well, there's quite. I don't want to. I don't want I, I to idealize no. primitive. I, I also shouldn't use. Don't want to use the word primitive. Other cultures. I don't want to idealize cultures based on our values. Al, although there are. I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to say. I can't. Won't do that. But in these societies, there's a wide variety there. But the primary factor is women are not as sexually oppressed mm-hmm. or punished for their sexuality in those cultures because the cultures themselves believe it takes multiple men to treat a baby. Mm-hmm. There's other cultures like the Manganian Munga- culture or the Hawaiian culture before Western contact, where there, the, the amount of sex partners you had as a female was a point of pride. I'm a female. I can track, I can track all these males. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of the opposite of us. Yeah. And Those are also societies that tended to be more matriarchal or matri you know where there was more uh, women had more power in Mm -hmm. society so in fact before you before the western contact with Hawaii Hawaiians had more taboos around food than they had around sex Mm -hmm. you could get your head chopped off for eating the wrong food because certain foods were only reserved for the royalty. whereas you could have sex with anybody you wanted unless you were royalty because in royalty you had to make sure the right people had the right kids Well, which led to brothers and sisters marrying each other, just as we just as we saw in Egypt. Mm -hmm. Egypt, brothers and sisters married to keep the blood bloodline pure. You see the same thing. So you see these kinds of things, patterns, where the royalty are restricted, but nobody else is restricted in those island cultures. Of course,
2: I could go on and on about the
0: anthropology of it. Just fascinating. So, so
2: are the Abrahamic religion worse? Than a lot of the religions of the past towards human sexuality. I think. Could you, could you, would you consider them worse? <coughs> no, 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 they're
0: they're as bad. There they're aspects. not worse. But Hinduism is horrible. If you look at you look at if you look at um, India right now. Mm-hmm. I think of 190 some countries on the planet, uh, India is the 148th worst country in the world for women. Wow. Yeah, because Hinduism is very, very shame based, very much oppression of women. I mean, look at the rape culture that we read about in, in India, whether it's gang rapes are not uncommon. And women, you know, women are just uh, oppressed really badly.
2: Also with the... Uh, yeah, so,
0: so it's not an Abrahamic religion. No. And let's not forget that Buddhism is about as misogynistic as any other culture, any other religion. Buddha himself said that women so. will have a harder time getting into nirvana than men do. And that there is a there's a difference there yeah, and the everybody da- thinks
2: that Buddhism is always so cool in da- any other
0: religion right? exactly Dalai Lama himself says that anal sex is wrong homosexuality is wrong only penis and vagina sex is this is a guy who's never had sex in his life yeah I know I, know, I know. and he's telling us yes. he hasn't even masturbated but he thinks masturbation is wrong too yeah. so I don't know I, I really do not give Buddhism a pass. Now, California Buddhism, I don't know what that is, <laughs> but it is not what the rest... Go to Thailand. Go to Vietnam. Look how Buddhism is practiced in places where it has been indigenous for 2,500 years. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look anything like what the Californians are saying. It's Buddhism. No, it's now, who's got the real Buddhism? The Vietnamese who've had it for 2,500 years or the Californians who just discovered it
2: 20 years ago? Well, this is blasphemy towards Richard Gere, I believe you say that. Well, it's fine with
0: me. <laughs> yeah, I, <think> <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Richard Gere is a clue. <laughs>
2: How are you enjoying your stay in Canada so far?
0: Oh, we've been here for two weeks. We've uh, Oh, good. Yeah, really? we, wow. we flew into Vancouver and just uh, spent a four or five days in Vancouver, and then we went over to... Uh, Victoria, Victoria and Vancouver Island, and we went to the Butchart Gardens.
2: Oh yes. And then mm-hmm. we
0: went to Neneno, Nanaimo. Nanaimo. <laughs> I always get the wrong. <laughs> Nanaimo, Nanaimo. You And uh, visit or were you speaking? Just, no, I I wasn't speaking. Not this time. I was just we just knew we were coming up here. We said, well, let just make a vacation out of it. It was about the time we wanted to take a vacation anyway. And then we uh, we came uh, through Whistler. Last stayed there last night and came
2: here. Just driving around. Awesome! I hope you enjoyed your Canadian experience. And you oh, can I out? love
0: I love coming to Canada. I've spoken up, I've spoken in Toronto. I've spoken in Montreal. I've spoken oh, well,
2: you've seen yeah. Toronto. You've seen the worst of it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I kind of enjoyed Toronto. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's like, that's like, it's a Canadian pass yeah, it, it was It was <laughs> Buffalo I was scared of, actually. <laughs> well, feel free to put a, like I said, put in a plug if you want. Uh, where, where can these people catch your books? Well, on they can website. get it
0: on Amazon, of course, or they can come to ipcpress.com, ipcpress.com. Find
2: bookstores everywhere?
0: Yeah, find bookstores. Yeah. If they uh, if they order it straight from my website, I, I always send a signed copy of the book. Will you send and a library too? If they if they buy both books, I will send a vibrator. <laughs> Here's my problem: I ordered 100 of those things six months ago, and I'm out. You you literally bought the last or I don't you know got that. one of the last two or three today. Yeah, I think i, I feel gonna,
2: very It's very autographed too. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. autographed <laughs> too. That's even better.
0: Yeah, you have the autographed copy yeah. of a vibrator. There are only about. <laughs> there are only about ten people in the world that have an autographed
2: copy of Vibrator. Right. Yeah, Hi, I'm in
0: good
3: company. There
0: you go. There
2: you go. it first Well, <laughs> thank you so much, Darrell, and enjoy the the, 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 the Imaginal Religion 4. Okay. We look forward to uh, speaking to you again.
0: Well, I could I put in a, another plug or two. please uh please? I, I started a group called an uh, organization called Recovering from Religion mm-hmm. are you familiar with I that? I have
3: heard of that absolutely okay I started
0: that back in 2009 and we have grown exponentially we're just huge getting fast uh, Sarah Moorhead is our executive director she's out of Omaha and uh, we for, for like next um, this coming week not this week the uh, next week um, we're we're sponsoring a big debate between Matt Delhoney and and uh, mm. By somebody. I
2: can't oh, remember his name. that's the one that uh, in David
0: Smalley is uh, David helping us Murray, with. It. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I just want your listeners to know about recovering from religion and what we're about. Our motto is there are thousands of groups that will get you into religion. We're the only one that will help you out. And we, we really try to give people the tools, the mm-hmm. conceptual tools, to get rid of the guilt and the shame. We sponsor meetings all over the world. We're in United Kingdom, mm-hmm. in Canada in Australia, New Zealand, here, we're, I mean, here, United, U.S. We have dozens and dozens of meetings all over the world. And uh, people meet about once a month and just talk about the issues of getting out. You know, what do I do with my religious husband? How do I deal with my kids? I raised them religious and now I'm not. That kind of stuff. Yeah. I, actually, I did Google because I was looking to see if
4: there's anything specific for women uh, leaving religion. And yeah, yours.
0: and a lot of our facilitators are women and they're having women come to the meeting and say oh, my husband is still religious so what do I do and of course that, that can be a problem with, with domestic views actually I have an article um, coming out uh, next month I believe it is in American Atheist magazine that your listeners might be interested in, and that's it's called male shame mm-hmm. and I deal with how does male shame contribute to domestic violence
3: mm-hmm.
0: there's lots of uh, things I think people need to consider I haven't see anybody talking about it. and then the third thing I'm always interested in people knowing about is the Secular Therapist Project that uh, that we started two years ago okay. and it's a project to help people find therapists that won't send you back to church,
2: mm-hmm. won't
0: pray with you won't realign your chakras or any of that kind of bullshit <laughs> It's I mean it's hard to find a therapist out there a therapist. there's a Christian counselor on every corner mm-hmm. in Atlanta, Georgia I don't know what it's like up here, but there's a lot of Christian counselors everywhere, and they—they're not well qualified. And their real goal is to get you back in church or to pray with you. They're not, and to get you into heaven. Their goal is not to help you get over your depression,
2: no matter what they say. Would that also branch to um, AA meetings, like alcoholism and stuff like that?
0: Well, AA is a religion. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, we really discourage people from using their model. We don't use any model like that. We don't, we, we don't even come close to that. We're not interested in that kind of a model. We think people need to take responsibility, and, and we give them the tools to be responsible for their own lives. We do We do say that if you come to RR, we, instead of 12 steps, we, you only need 10 steps. When you take God out of it, you only need 10 steps. But that's kind of tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> it's a big step, too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, so what the, website can you catch us on? Uh, the the
0: www.seculartherapy.com. Uh, seculartherapy.org seculartherapy.org and it's a it's a way you can get online you put your you just put your zip code and stuff in and it search and it tells you there's five therapists within 100 miles of you or something like that it's oh, kind of like nice. a dating site yeah. like match.com or something and then you email them through our system it's all confidential private nobody knows anybody else's name until you're ready to do business with that therapist and some of our therapists will do uh, distance counseling. We do have a lot of people in rural areas or very, very conservative areas, where they can't find anybody, or we don't have anybody there. So they can find somebody through us, and maybe through FaceTime or Skype, they can they can do therapy um, through the through the computer. Anyway, uh, there we have 173. Um, Therapists mm-hmm. that that have been vetted by us. You have to you have to jump through a lot of hoops to become a therapist in our system, and we've got over thirty three thousand three hundred people registered as potential clients looking for therapist center system. So if you need a therapist and you want to make sure the therapist is not going to send you back to church, come look at seculartherapy.org. dot org. Awesome. awesome. Yeah.
2: awesome.
3: Yep.
0: My pleasure. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. Good luck with that. Thanks for letting me put the plug in there. Well,
2: thank you so much for giving us your time. Appreciate that. Thank you, Dale. A hood of a man, if I could say so.
4: Yes, he was awesome.
2: I hope it came out better than uh There was a few spots I you really think they cut for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe uh blog talk is having some difficulties here. I'm not too sure. But anyway, that was mainly our show. Uh, I guess uh, we should do a bit uh, of what will be happening There's a show coming up. Uh, we have... Uh, Mark Cunningham from the Fraser Valley Agency of the Minister wants to come on to talk about uh, raising a family of uh, indigenous.
4: Which is going to be very interesting. And um, you should just listen for his awesome English accent, if nothing else. <laughs> um, no, Mark's a great guy. It'll be a great talk. And also, at some point in the future, we're going to have a live recording of uh, Natural Selection, our, our band... But, uh, yeah, the band was
2: uh, kind enough to give us uh, the song for the, the theme song for the show, which is the obvious truth.
4: So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Cool. So in the meantime, uh, guys, uh, you can look us up on uh, on Facebook. You can send us an email at uh, at You can look at our website. And uh, every day,
3: we <laughs>